This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome to our Behind the Markets podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz. Alongside Wharton Finance Professor Jeremy Siegel, we tackle the latest market trends every week on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Welcome to Behind the Markets here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz, Global Head of Research at Wisdom Tree. My co-host is Wharton Finance Professor Jeremy Siegel, author of Stocks for Long Run and the Future for Investors. Please note, I'm a registered representative for Side Fund Services. Professor Siegel is a senior advisor for Wisdom Tree. Our discussion is not tied to the offer or sale of any investment products. And the views of our guests are their own and not those of Wisdom Tree or its affiliates. We're going to have a really interesting show. Professor Siegel has been talking about Jackson Hole, the Fed, inflation for some time. We have that uh, that discussion in the last few days. Uh, we're going to be talking real estate on the first half of the program and a and sort of interesting the bond markets and uh, an interesting guest talking about what's happening in emerging markets, bonds, uh, investing over time. Uh, but Professor, you've been talking about the Fed for a while. We have that meeting. What, you, what's your, your thoughts? The markets seem to like what Powell had to say. Uh, they love it. Everyone was expecting a paper that was well advertised. Um, I think the words that they liked uh, very much was, we are in no hurry to raise rates. Um, so it's even like, uh, you know, when this taper is over, and most people think it'll be over sometime in the early summer uh, next year, it doesn't mean that, they, you know, they're going to start on, on, on raising rates. Um, at least that's his opinion at this time. Of course, the data will dictate whether they start or have to be raising rates or not. But the, the market clearly liked that. Um, long bonds have uh, rallied on that, and stocks are at new all-time highs, both the S&P uh, and the NASDAQ. Ed Dow, not quite yet, but, um, you know, a very uh, th- that uncertainty about whether uh, Powell would pivot to a, to a uh, hawkish uh, tone um, definitely is, is out of the way, and, and we definitely get the rally that more than wiped out uh, the decline from the, you know, t- terrible uh, events in uh, Afghanistan um, that in, uh, unfolded yesterday. The Fed is uh, on board with uh, a very moderate program. Uh, their view that inflation is just temporary um, is still intact. Um, but this this can definitely change. Um, we have a Fed meeting on uh, February 22nd. We will have another CPI and producer price index report before then. Um, and, uh, you know, if it runs particularly hotter than expected, um, this will nudge uh, the FOMC even uh, further. Most uh, of the participants... Uh, are now talking about a uh, rise in interest rates toward the end of next year. Uh, remember, before it wasn't until 2023 that we had the rise in rates. Uh, we will get the, the new dot plot on September 22nd. So uh, we will see uh, how much they will have moved up. I, I do expect them to certainly move it up uh, from uh, the uh, the June meeting. 
You have, you know, today you've got some of the big cyclical sectors moving, like the commodity sectors, energy materials, the Russell 2000 is is way up. Is that just because of that thought that, you know, they're not tightening as, as much, or is it just uh, the small caps were hit for, you know, for a little while? Anything you think going on there? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a combination. Um, you know, we also have, uh, you know, certainly energy up because of trop- you know, potential hurricanes, so we see, uh, you know, oil up over two percent. We we also see a tremendous rally in natural gas uh, recently, which is, uh, you know, sending it to almost four and a half dollars per uh, decatherm, which is the highest in a long time. This is going to be an interesting question about in uh, uh, because so many you know, so many firms are going to be heating in the winter with natural gas. Uh, how much cost might uh, go up on on that? Uh, we have the first gold rally that. We've had in a long time gold up over one percent. I think it's a, a whole a rate uh, situation. I mean, there's no real news, new news on the Delta variant. I mean, schools are reopening. Will it be under control in the schools? I think that a lot of people are concerned about that. But we also are facing September, where um, uh, as schools reopen, women. Uh, can go back to work and the extra unemployment benefits are so we're going to see a boost of us of uh of workers um um again i i think that these supply disruptions are not just temporary um they're a sign of tremendous demand that cannot be fulfilled and that we're going to see higher inflation um the inflation numbers continue to go well above fed target in fact a number of the uh, they've been interviewed. Um, CNBC, uh, you know, Steve Leisman has interviewed virtually all the FOMC members, and they all say they've moved well ahead of their target. We should note, by the way, in March, when they gave an estimate for how much inflation was going to be for the year, they gave 2.2 percent. I mean, that that is you know kind of laughable. Then, then in June they raised it to three. Point oh percent. That's still way too low. Uh, we'll see what they say now in terms of what they think actually inflation is going to be in twenty twenty one. But don't underestimate. I mean, uh, Powell and everyone else is going to be persuaded by the data, and the inflation data is going to be very the the most critical data I, I think uh, going forward. Last week you mentioned maybe. Not ex- not be surprised to see a little pullback. Is is uh, yeah, does well, Fed change anything not, or not, not not yet? You know, September uh, has through history been the toughest month of the year, and when that was well advertised, it, it really began at the end of August, and of course now we're having a a very strong uh, end of uh, August. Um, oh, I, one one thing I think I I, I should. Mentioned we, we we have had a money supply announcement it comes out monthly now, and uh, the money supply did move up um, in the month of July, uh, uh, but not at the same rate that it had been moving up in the previous month. So we had uh, June money supply virtually flat, and, and July money supply up moderately. Now whether this is a new trend or not, it's a welcome trend because. As I had mentioned, money supply was going up at 12.5% a year, which uh, could not control inflation. 
So um, they have to taper down. Now, that's also a very, very important number that I, I look at closely in terms of uh, saying whether the demand pressure from liquidity uh, is going to continue to uh, impact uh, consumer prices. Well, let me bring in our first guest. This is uh, another Wharton professor and one of your longtime friends. I know you guys uh, spend a lot of time together. Joe Jerko, who's a real estate professor at the Wharton School, um, a, a longtime friend of Professor Siegel's and one of my former uh, professors at, at, at when I was back in, in his class. Um, Joe, welcome to Behind the Markets. Thanks for having me. Uh, maybe you could give us, uh, you, you focus a lot on the real estate markets, the pandemic created a lot of uncertainty there but uh some been 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 certainly in the on the residential side has been very uh a very strong market recently maybe you could give us your overall as you look at the, the your, your expertise where what do you see happening across the the various real estate markets okay i'm I, jeremy i'll break it down into two parts which is commercial or income producing which encompasses a wide variety everything from hotels and office, which are not doing particularly well um, compared to pre-COVID times to, you know, everybody's favorite industrial warehouse and last mile distribution facilities and apartments are in there. And then I'll talk a little bit about owner-occupied housing. So one of the interesting things is in the last month or so, um, re- commercial real estate prices, income producing, if you look at broad indexes, say Green Street, which is a, a well-respected firm, which, which updates prices on all the properties that REITs own um, in the commercial space, they're finally back to just above pre-COVID levels in their estimation. Um, they're just updating the individual properties. Um, but there, that mass, this huge variation in what what's happening in commercial real estate, um, it, it ranges from industrial is 20 to 25, industrial warehouse properties, distribution properties are 20 to 25 percent above pre-COVID levels. Um, malls are still 15 to 20 percent down. Office is 7 to 10 percent down. Hotels, which have come back a lot from, you know, when they were all closed, are still down, according to Green Street. So there's this huge variation. And what I see went on is is as follows. I, I think everybody in real estate gets a tailwind from low interest rates. And certainly Powell's announcement today that, you know, they, he doesn't see rates rising immediately or in the very near term, real estate's a long duration asset, um, long lived. So that's pretty good for it. But the variation is driven by changes in demand and supply does matter too. And what we've seen is COVID, what it did, Jeremy, I think, was it accelerated any trends in real estate that were happening pre-COVID. They just not just kept going, they accelerated. So the Amazon, you know, effect on retail was accelerated, right? We found we could order all types of goods um, and disintermediate some parts, not all parts of retail. We got a big negative surprise because we found out that tenants in office buildings could run their firms at least partially without much space at all, and sometimes without any space, although no one wants to do that in in the long run. Um, and it's that's what's 
what's going on, which is we see just really wide variation. The aggregate indexes are back to pre-COVID levels, but everybody should keep in mind that mass big differences. On housing, um, owner-occupied prices are clearly up. You want to be a little cautious about everyone sees the National Association of Realtors. That's not quality adjusted. And over COVID, we saw a big shift in higher to higher quality homes being sold. But even if you control for the quality drift in what gets sold, owner-occupied housing is is doing gangbusters. Um, some markets like Austin, there's a story in the journal earlier this week, they're up 25%, maybe 30%. Our market of Philadelphia, the national, the national data on existing homes are up like 15, 60%. We're up 14 in Philly. We're not a hot market at all. Um, I think that's a combination of low interest rates, negative real rates, and the fact that there's a shift towards home ownership from renting, which is we've seen about a percent and a half increase in the rate of home ownership is about 130 million households. So every percentage points, 1.3 million renter households who now own. So I think you see a big demand shift there. And that's sort of what I see. That's the lay of the land right now in commercial real estate and, and owner-occupied housing per se. Uh, Joe, uh, let me thank you so much for, for being on our show and, and sharing your knowledge here. Um, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about um, apartment rentals. Now, you, you said there's a shift to owner-occupied, certainly. Yeah. Um, but and, and just an hour or two ago on CNBC, and I've been talking to people, um, apartment rental uh, rates have suddenly risen in the last two or three months. We are hearing, I, I have a close friend um, uh, that was involved in a bidding war for apartment rentals. Now, we've all heard of bidding wars for houses. I mean, and that's been going on for a long time. And I even, you know, when we remember that even, you know, before in the housing boom of the 2006, seven that, but I, I have not remembered where people are bidding uh, on the rental side uh, $100, uh, $200 over and and uh, the the asking price that was always a much calmer market there. I mean, have you have you found any uh, any other evidence on on this issue? Well, I see the same data you do, and you see those stories. I think it depends on the market. So, in some markets where there's not much new supply, and supply got hit in COVID because a lot of apartment projects were not considered essential, so they shut down. Um, but it varies by market. I can tell you that phenomena you described, it doesn't exist in Chicago. It doesn't really exist in Philadelphia either. Um, it certainly hit New York recently as people have started to come back. I think in Florida apartment too. rents are up, Jeremy, and they're up by a pretty decent amount. Um, if you look at a special sector, single-family rental, 
They're up at everyone. They're publicly traded companies. We can look at what's going on there for existing homes that are just re-upping, releasing with the same person. Every firm's reporting at least four and a half percent rental growth. Okay, in that particular niche, you see these spikes in certain coastal markets that you're talking about, um, but it's not as big as the owner-occupied spikes for sure. And I think it may be a temporary supply-demand imbalance. It's sort of everyone coming back at once, and supply just can't change very quickly. So I don't think that's going to develop into a long-term phenomenon. Um, but rents are up. There's, there's no doubt. I, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, in the left, to think about the future of commercial real estate. Um, and you said you know, that it accelerated the trends. Um, let's, let's go to uh, center city office buildings, Manhattan, and, and all the major cities um, with with the shift. Um, uh, do you do you see workers coming back? What 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 do you see as as the future of office buildings? Okay, so this is a this is a guess. We actually don't know. Um, a, a, a fellow colleague of Jeremy Siegel and mine, uh, Peter Capelli, and I are doing a program at the request of the Philly Fed um, next month to try to get at this issue, which is what's going to happen. And you can imagine why is the Fed interested in this? Because those buildings are the collateral for a lot of loans in the Fed system. And so the honest answer is nobody knows yet, but that won't stop me from guessing. Um, my guess, Jeremy, is on average, workers in Center City are going to come in a day less than they did before. Before, they came in a little over four days a week on average. A lot of variation about that meeting. I think it's going to be three plus. So I think we're going to go hybrid. Um, some of us will come in all the time. The, the more high human capital and elite you are, the more you're coming in, the more responsibility, the more rote your job is, the less you'll come in. Your, your physical being there and exchanging ideas is more important for some people than others. Um, but I think this is a real demand drop for office properties. So for, I'm not surprised they haven't recovered. And it's because, Jeremy, that's a 15 to 20% drop in demand, um, which will be countered a little bit by the fact that we'll have a little more space per person. But at the end of the day, I think it's a 15% one-time drop um, in demand for office, which means we have too much of it right now. Right. Now, one, one other point for you. This will play out over time. If you look at leasing right now, Nobody is making big permanent changes. Almost everyone whose lease is up is going to their landlord and going, for either one or two years, let us just re-up at whatever we were while we figure out how we're going to redeploy our labor force and how we're going to adjust our office usage. So I think this plays out over two to five years, but I think it's a clear negative for downtown office. Do you think that, and now you, you mentioned at the very top of the show about, I think I heard you say 
drop in office building prices? No. Um, Green Street's uh, I, I was citing their data. They think they're down 7 to 10. Okay, 7 to 10. The malls, the do, malls do, are do, down do, 20, Jeremy. Do you, do you think that that... That does not sound sufficient given your projection of demand because there's always operating costs which are not going to go down that much. So you have more, well, you know, go I up. mean, they're going to go up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're going so, yeah. up. So, in a way, uh, it doesn't sound like that is the, is a, a total adjustment. Would you, would you agree on, on, on that? I agree. Now, I got to be a little careful because REITs own suburban properties. I don't, and yep. I don't know the exact weighting in that index I cited, but I don't think they'll be hurt as more. I think this will also vary a lot by market. In expensive markets like New York and San Francisco, it's really going to pay to conserve on office space usage because that's a big cost to these tenants. Um, but yeah, Jeremy, in general, I'm more pessimistic. I am slight and somewhat more pessimistic on office than the overall mark, market appears to signal right now. Yes. You know, it, it's interesting. Again, you know, we, we talk about investments and, and the, the REITs have, I mean, the REIT index, which you, you know, there's many funds through Vanguard and others that ETFs that you can invest in has done pretty well, not as well as the S&P as we'd expect, but it's up uh, 20% pre-COVID. Um, uh, but that, as, as you mentioned, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, 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 of non-office REITs um, yep. that have done, <laughs> the sectors that have yeah. done extremely well. Uh, you know, I was looking at the REIT index, uh, and I, I took it off their website, and um of their 155 REITs in the REIT index, only 20, and it, it was less than 10%, uh, is what they they describe as office. Um, Correct. So you're investing in a lot of industrial, data centers, self-storage, and a lot of others, which, of course, have done much better. Um, in, in the whole world of non residential real estate is, is that that weighting is 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 too low isn't it i mean isn't really office space a, a, a much bigger percent of the, the entire real estate world i don't think so no not real, when you okay. include data centers uh, self storage all the warehouse and distribution centers that have been built now in the last Five years, Jeremy, that was the biggest change in real estate, was the rise of these alternative investment groups inside commercial real estate. Now, I believe that's a valuated index, as you're suggesting, and the value has shifted dramatically away from the traditional food mm-hmm. groups of office, retail, hotel. And, and even multifamily, although multi's doing fine right now. I, I'm just wondering Hotels whether our, 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 right. our offices, uh, office buildings less equitized than some of these other real estate properties? They're less owned, but their reach share is less than certainly malls. Almost all the malls are publicly owned. But mm. no, they're not. It's not all that 
outsized. What you've seen, okay. Jeremy, is just a move away from the traditional groups. Data center, I, excuse me, cell tower. We haven't mentioned cell tower REITs. Cell tower REITs are the largest REITs out there. It's just, it's just a change in mm-hmm. technology and how we, how real estate gets used. And there is probably a lot of listeners going, really? A cell tower is real estate? Well, yes, it is. Um, and it has a huge value weight in the, in the index. So I don't think that's all that abnormal. Um, it is true. There's a lot of private ownership of office. But if you look at the downtowns in particular, a lot of that's owned by publicly traded firms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are, are, do you believe uh, that, I mean, I guess the REITs are now a sector of the S&P 500. Um, right. Uh, do you believe, or do you, have you taken any position whether investors should overweight or underweight or just hold the 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 S and P and the weight that they have uh, in there in terms of uh, a forward looking strategy? No, I haven't really thought about it, Jeremy. So I don't think about it the the way you and the other Jeremy do, mm-hmm. or that Wisdom Tree would. Um, but I, I think about it as I, I think there are obvious dislocations where some of these industrial warehouse sectors have done incredibly well. Like I said, in the Green Street Index, they think industrial warehouse is up 20% pre-COVID. I think there's a strong demand trend. I think we're building those things like they're going out of style. Um, risk-adjusted returns, I'm not sure I like it. That's how I think about it. I don't think about it as a broad sector. I go, what do I think? You know, I, I try to think as contrarian as I can. I'm a pretty conservative guy, as you know, so I have trouble doing mm-hmm. that. But that's how I think about it, and it varies my market, too. Like, I'm really pretty negative on office in New York. I'm way less negative on office in Nashville. Um, there are different incentives to economize um, there. And there are different, I think, population and migration trends going on. And there are different fiscal situations in New York versus Nashville, Tennessee, that you know are going to cause taxes to go up in the former. Um, that's how I think about it is I it's. For me, it's a much more micro investment. I think what's important is, as you're saying, I mean, as we're saying, that the office is less than 10% of a read in a diversified read yep. index. So, you know, if you're just saying, oh, I don't want real estate because of the, the offices, then that they have further to go down. They're not that. They're they're not that yeah. important in terms of uh, that in terms is of not going to. So you and I, I, I from I'm interpreting this as you and I think there's still more room for decline, at least relatively in office compared to other real estate groups. But yeah, it's just not a big enough weight anymore to move that index in a major way. No. That's, that's been a very interesting conversation. Um, uh, Joe, Professor Hugo, I want to thank you for, for, for some extended time here talking to us about, about the real estate markets. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Markets podcast. If you want to learn more about WisdomTree, visit WisdomTree.com.
You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeremy D. Schwartz. I'd like to thank Patty Hall for producing our live program on SiriusXM channel 132 and our podcast producer, Daniel Bruno. Join us next week for another edition of the show. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.